Becca, today's guest, um, I heard, is a big fan of French fries. So it made me think about what is kind of your favorite food or like the food that you like can't kind of live without ever. <laughs> um, well, it's also in the potato category. I happen to be a big fan of the potato in general. I mean, I will, I, I really, when people ask what's my favorite food, I tend to say the potato because I am gluten intolerant and so I can't eat any breads. And so the potato I have to eat often. Um, but it's also really versatile to me. You can make the potato into almost anything, and it takes a lot of different flavors and all of that, but it can also be bland, which is important to me on the days when I struggle with food and I can't really eat anything. Um, so I'm a big fan of the potato as a whole. Um, I think the thing in my house that can never not be here are potato chips. I'm a potato chip, so it's not <laughs> So... Well, do you have a favorite food that you have to have? Well, I, I do love I do love potatoes as well, and and I think what's interesting about the potato is if you ask ten different people about the potato, they'll tell you the their favorite way. You'll get ten right. different responses. It's very true, right? And and like that's I don't know. I, I guess I if I could make <laughs> French fries at my house, it might be French fries. But because I can't like just have them hanging out in my house, they're. It's, and especially because I live up on the mountain, so the closest place to get French fries, right? <laughs> so it's not very close. Um, and so that's changed. But it's really funny because the, the way, the story of how I chose the potato as a favorite food <laughs> is so autistic that I can't even begin to tell you. Like, I, <clears throat> um, it was because, remember when Survivor, the TV show, came out? And it was, you had to choose the one object that you could take with you, right? What's the one thing? Right. And I was like, man, I used to think about it obsessively. Like, what would I take? What's a smart thing to take with you on Survivor? Right. For a while, I thought it was a Bible because I was like, man, that's a lot of reading. That's a <laughs> lot of stories in there to keep you busy. Right. And no one can really tell you, no, you can't bring that one or they didn't like that one. Right. So there's no conversation. So I thought the Bible for a while. But then I realized the potato was the smart thing to bring. Because you can take a little piece and make more potatoes. You can do a lot of things with potatoes, right? So, thus, the potato is my favorite food. Probably my favorite um, that just surpasses the potato by just the tiniest bit. And something that I really probably can't eat anymore is chocolate. Because about a year ago, I did the stupidest thing and took a food sensitivity test. And <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. And it came back that apparently I'm not allergic to anything, but I am sensitive to a lot of foods and chocolate especially. So I try to stay dairy free, but every once in a while I just have to have chocolate because I'm too stressed and I need my yeah. dark, dark chocolate. I mean, chocolate is all about dopamine and like really good <laughs> things that make you feel good. That's terrible. See? ignorance is bliss, yo. You just don't want to know. Definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to our guest today because our guest today is joining us from Florida. It's Miss Haley Moss. Right? She is. Uh, she was diagnosed on the spectrum at age three and is now an attorney, an author, a speaker, an advocate, and she also is a really good artist. And so that's something she's been doing a long time. Um, and I look forward to finding out what else she's into. Welcome, Haley. Thank you for having me, and I think you all figured out that I truly love the French fry, and I could probably rank them by place if we wanted to talk about which places and fast food restaurants have the best French fries of all, and I keep updating my ranking regularly as I got to go throughout the country and go to places that I might never have been before. Right. So, 
that is a that is a fun fact about things that I'm very passionate about. Is is there like a top ten ranking, top one hundred, top one thousand? Like how far does this uh, go? I like to keep it in the fast food or chain restaurant category because then it's accessible no matter where you live. So, but I think when it comes like, like local fries and local chains, and that's a whole other kind of category because then it's like if you come to South Florida, I can tell you where the good fries are. But if you're anywhere in the country, I will tell you who based on availability everywhere you could probably get these fries. So. Right. It, it kind of almost kills me to say that I'm very impartial to the McDonald's fries because I think they're probably one of the overall best. Right. I really but, can I tell you, Ellie, I do too. I agree with you. But there's <laughs> so there is a documentary out right now. It is called The Founder, and it is I all saw about. The founder. Did you watch it? I did. <laughs> I saw The Founder, and I also remember when Super Size Me came out, and all of that stuff to make you want to get off right. completely. But also just. The McDonald's fry is the king of the fries. It, it is. It really is. And it's a terrible thing to have that moral conflict, right? Because Ray Kroc ended up being, he was a total douche. When you watch <laughs> this documentary, he was so cruel and, like, selfish and all of these things. And so I suddenly felt like, I don't know, do I have to move the McDonald's fries out of my categories now? Is it now a political, moral thing about their I mean, french fries? I, I mean, nothing's as political as a Chick-fil-A waffle fries. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Objectively, it's a very good fry because I also have a sucker bet on, like, I'm a sucker for waffle fries and curly fries and shaped fries, but morally, it is a low-ranking fry, so it's a, the struggle is real, like, how do you kind of pit that where, like, this restaurant and company has terrible values or questionable moral or ethical values and how they pay their workers, how they treat their workers, what their religious beliefs are, which groups they do actively dislike or whatever, on top of the fact that, like, but the food is also good. Right. So <laughs> annoying. It's really annoying. Especially it's, if, it's a forever dilemma. It is. And my backup fry to McDonald's is Wendy's, though. That's my backup fry. Okay. I feel so. kind of, I, I like Wendy's. I was going to say, if you said Burger King, I would be a little no, bit... No, they're no. the worst. Thank well, you. They come out, even when they're fresh, they taste the worst. They're, they're the, wor- the only exception to that is the Burger King chicken fry, but that's not a fry. That is chicken. It's wonderful. What about the Burger King onion rings? Uh, uh, I'm not an onion ring fan. I'm not a Burger King fan. I I'm not an onion rings person. I also am kind of mad on Burger King except for the chicken fries. The real thing with fast food restaurants, though, is the fact they have fountain soda, and I feel like fountain diet Coke is probably far superior to canned diet Coke. 100% agree. Fountain <laughs> soda is the best thing. I'm a diet Coke addict. I'm addicted to diet Coke. My house, I would be so psyched. I'm very addicted to Diet Coke. <laughs> it is one of the lesser-known facts about me, for sure. Well, good. No, this is what it's supposed to be about. That's the whole point. We could probably do the entire podcast about fast food foods. Because that's what... <laughs> I mean, for a really long time, I survived on it. One of the oh, me too. About it. I survived on fast food my entire childhood. Right. Because it's always the same. And as an It's always the person, same. And, and I also was... And still am, like, a very picky eater. And I'm, like, one right. of those autistic-sensitive eaters. And, of course, the most predictable same food in the world was McDonald's <laughs> exactly was McNuggets and fries yep like even when people would want to go to a bar and get drinks I'd be like oh bars are great they have fries right they have food that I would eat exactly and so that's <laughs> I think like, that's part of it for us and I that- don't realize that and it, it took me a while to realize like, oh like oh people are picking these bar places because they want a drink not because they're going for the greasy <laughs> food that I think is wonderful right 
but it was it's always the safe food it's like um i've never gone somewhere and i've other than being disappointed by a fry i've never been disgusted by a fry exactly right? the worst thing that could happen to you is it's just overwhelming it's over salted under salted or undercooked right or over so it's like safe. they're not gonna, it's not going to be suddenly a non-potato fry it is definitely a potato Correct. And so I think that sameness is so appealing. And I think that's why, you know, it's like sort of a joke in this, I think, in our community that like, what's the number one safe food? Chicken nuggets, right? But we all do it. And I know I will eat chicken nuggets until the day that I die. Right? Me too. It's not like a childhood thing that's going away. <laughs> oh my God, me too. Trust and me, so, I, people, I have business associates stuff. Like I'll go to restaurants and I'll order chicken tenders and they'll be looking at me like I'm five. And I'm like, yeah. I don't care. Me neither. First date with Antonio. My very first date with my husband. I had chicken fingers and fries. <laughs> you did it right. That, find someone that not only will respect that you'll be eating chicken fingers and fries on most dates like that, but also someone that will eat them with you. That's how you That's know you right. truly found a great life partner. If they're like, yeah, we'll just get chicken fingers and fries together. It's like, so this is sound our wonderful. Now combined dating advice now, Haley, that we're putting <laughs> out on the planet. Is that if you meet someone and they will not share your nuggets and fries with you, they are not the right person. It's true. Good people share fries. That's right. If you don't offer me a fry and your food comes with fries and mine doesn't, I am not going to like you. Right. I, I might be a bad person because oh, no, are you uh, I might not I might not offer it. You might have to ask that I would begrudgingly say yes, but <laughs> No, I don't know if I'd no, offer. Are you a not food sharer? I might not offer it to you, Becca. I'm sorry. Would you share fries with us, though? I would share. I might not initiate the sharing, but I would... If you ask me, Haley, absolutely. But I wouldn't necessarily, like, offer it to you. Okay. That's so funny. <laughs> Oh, I always have a million questions for Haley. Before she we knows. just go into straight up Fryland right. fast food and talking about fast food. <laughs> so your so your Twitter handles is uh, Haley Moss Art. So I'm gonna. I signed up at 16. Give me a break. <laughs> okay. So would you change? At least it's not puppy. It's not. At least it's not like puppies are forever 94 or something like that. True. You know? This is true. Do you remember, like, when everyone would sign up for email addresses and they would put, like, their favorite thing that they kind of cared about and then they'd put the year of their birth? Yes. Yeah, or their birthday. They would always put their birthday or the year they were born. So that's why it's a good thing, I guess, that my Twitter handle is not, like, puppies are forever 94 or something. <laughs> <laughs> so is art something you still love, or...? I do. I feel like I just don't have the time to give that hobby the love that it deserves. And it just feels weird still being Haley Moss art, even though I'm kind of like, I, I vibe with it, but I'm also like, I don't know if I am still, I'm obviously not the same person I was at 16, but I do realize that I was not smart enough to realize, oh, you can get your name on a place like Twitter or Instagram right. or whatever. Like, I didn't realize that. And when you're 16, you're definitely not thinking like that. So I signed up for social media originally to promote my artwork because as one, as one does when they're a young person who wants people to see their stuff. Right. And I was showing my work in galleries at the time. Like, I was doing stuff with my art. And I was really excited. And it was like, Twitter was still kind of this new-ish thing. So that's kind of how I got into that as far as who I became on the internet. And where, and, and do you do any art now? Or do you just, like, if you find the time, you're excited? It's more of a finding the time and hobby and not always ending up straight on the internet. 
what are some other things now that art has sort of moved where it went? Um, so in that same category of things I don't really have time to do that I really have a lot of knowledge and enjoyment for was probably a couple years ago I got really into fitness and really into like the boutique fitness and working out scene because like here's the thing. I am not an athlete by any means, and I really like to preface this conversation with that if we're going to talk about physical fitness, because it's kind of like a joke for me. It's like, yeah, I am not someone who was ever an athlete. I was picked last in gym class my entire life. Like, I am not that person, but after, I think it was my 2L or 3L year, I got kind of hooked on going to different classes, like around the city and going to explore and thought it would be fun to try new things. One of my friends roped me in once to a spin class, and I thought it was the most fun sensory experience of God knows, because it's like, okay sweaty dark room loud music that i enjoy and it's like a really big dance party it's basically synchronized stimming and i got really into it and then i just kind of would explore and anywhere that i'd travel i'd try to find somewhere to take a class because i had this membership from when i was traveling Mm. so i'd just always go try things out and i no matter what city i ended up in like any major city i could probably give you a recommendation of something to try i'm not an athlete myself neither am i i I had abs i had abs for maybe like a week and then I, of course, decided it was much more fun to eat fries. Because yeah. <laughs> eating fries was far superior to any class that I ever took. So, see, this is all going to come back full circle. <laughs> but once upon a time, when we actually would go to gyms and feel safe, I used to be a huge, like, spin class brat. I loved going to Pilates. I loved going to all that stuff. and Just trying something new. And I needed someone to yell at me to tell me what to do, because otherwise I'm not that much of a self-starter. Right. Especially when it comes to fitness. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. You put me in a weight room, I'll just sit there and blink and say, okay, that's a thing. Did you ever try any Zumba or CrossFit or anything like that? I am not coordinated enough for Zumba, and CrossFit is a little too intense even by my standards. Like, I can't, I, I need to be told what to do. I need someone with more knowledge to tell me what, like, lift the thing. Do this with your feet. You right. should be standing this far apart. So your knees don't give in or something like that. Like if you put me across it, I would probably end up dropping a gajillion pound barbell on myself. And that would be the end of my entire like athletic career whatsoever or not athletic career because I'm not an athlete. So I've never been on a sports team or anything. I always worried about the kettlebells and I was going to drop it on my feet. So I, I was, I was intimidated by it a little bit. It still intimidates me. So something that on your Twitter bio that I wasn't aware of is that you're passionate also about naps. Who isn't passionate about naps? So <laughs> if we're going to talk about my Twitter bio, you'd also know if you were if you were looking that I am a huge Taylor Swift fan, which is kind of a, irrelevant to napping, but it's kind of a fun Easter egg on my profile that I am a huge Swifty, just a little bit. <laughs> Because I used my my location as two di- as lyrics from two different Taylor Swift songs. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go figure. Because I'm like, that's just a quick little way to say say like I, I like everyone knows I'm a Florida girl through and through, but it, it would be more fun to say something that was kind of if you know you know. So I guess that makes me super basic that I am only mildly obsessed with Taylor Swift. <laughs> everyone has their favorites. It's not fair. It's not a judgment. It's okay. I don't care. I don't care. I, I I embrace it. Taylor has been there for me for a very long time. It's like I grew up on this girl and oh my god, she's just like crushing it with like another new album out of nowhere. Like, how do you do it? <laughs> it's like I know the rest of us are still trying to figure out how to do the lockdown thing and survive and here's Taylor in July going, 
I wrote this whole great folk album, folk alternative album that's going to go out for a gajillion Grammys while in quarantine. And everyone's still thinking this is the greatest thing ever. Five months later, oh, JK, guess what? I wrote another album just like that because quarantine and we had so much fun making it. We're just going to do it all over again. Here's another surprise album in December. And it's like, whoa. Meanwhile, I'm like. She can't keep it in. That's her, you know, that's what she's doing her thing. It's kind of intense. Like, I don't know. I'm sitting here sometimes thinking, what am I going to do? What am I doing? Some days I could barely even remember to, like, respond to an email because my brain is just like, is it Thursday? Is it Monday? It's Blur's Day. Who knows? <laughs> and there's Taylor Swift going, I am going to clean up all the Grammys in the next three years. To mood. I, I aspire to that level of just everything. So one thing that I think of when I think about you, Haley, is being a writer. Um, I know you... Uh-huh. I've seen, I know recently, well, always it seems like you have a bunch of stuff are coming out. Oh, my God. I know you, uh, I saw, I think it was yesterday, you uh, wrote an essay for the Babysitter's Club anthology. I did. I got to write an essay for Babysitter's Club anthology. I wrote the essay back in April, which feels like a lifetime ago at this point. And once upon a time, there was one of the books in the series. It came out in 1990, which is older than me, so... That's always kind of my fate. And we all know we love to talk about like autism and media representation. So it was really fun reading this book that I remember reading in elementary school all over again and getting to see like, wow, the way they talked about autism in 1990 really sucked. <laughs> like it was bad. It was cringy, extremely cringy. It was every like ableist trope, heavy use of the word retarded, like everything that you could have imagined that could have been wrong. And this was 1990. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, this is also when we had, like, the passage of the ADA. We had all this stuff going on at the same time. And I got to be extra hard on it because the author of all the Babysitter's Club books, Anna Martin, used to be a, a special education teacher. So I hope that she would know better. Right. Or, you know, listen to autistic people and disabled people. But 1990, of course, was a very different world. But it's just wild to see how much has changed in the last 30 years and how bad media rep has been. Like, when we say that media rep is crappy now, it is not the same as when we said it was bad in 1990. Kind of a fun thought. It is. I mean, it, I was alive. and I mean, I was in high school. And what we, my whole life growing up, what we considered autism to be was not what we understand it to be now. Was it so Rain it was Man? A different world, you know? Totally different world. Was it Rain Man, though? Not quite. It was a little bit past that. But not quite. I mean, it was really, like, even meaner than the Rain Man stuff. It oh, was no. really, like, no, there was a lot. It was true separation. And, like, you could catch that and don't be seen with those people and that kind of thing. I mean, the contagious thing was very real even when I was little. So I think that took a while for us as a society to grow out of. And you and you recently wrote a, uh, a book, or at least you finished... Uh, how, I finished how, the manuscript for a book now, and I'm writing another one right now. So I'm also in like stress mode because I am under deadline yet again. I, I get really excited about things that I think would be fun to write about, and then all of a sudden it's like, go for it. And it's like, wow. I actually get to write this thing, but oh my god, that's a lot of words. Yeah. What's the new book about? So I'm. So I have a forthcoming book about neurodiversity in the workplace and for lawyers so the book for lawyers is like 
all about workplace issues, representing neurodivergent people, things like that. And I'm also working on the Young Autistic Adults Independence Survival Guide. So we all, I think independence is kind of this weird myth, but we seem to push for it all the time because no one's truly independent. We all need each other for stuff. But kind of this like, here's some basic life skills and go run with it is what I'm trying to achieve is here's some life skills. Here's some things you should probably know. And here are some experts that could probably give you some better guidance than I can in certain areas. Like I am not a money management expert. I, I wish I was, but that's not my area of expertise. So I'm like, I should talk to someone who has helped autistic people manage their money that knows more than me. This person can answer some very valuable questions and give us some great party tips. So I try to be like that cool friend. That's kind of what I'm going for with the survival guide is that cool friend who kind of gives you some things to go out into the world with because especially like college students already have their own thing. But what about like when you're not in college or you're like looking for a job or you're trying to do all this stuff as this young adult person who is told adulthood is one thing and independence is another. And you're sitting there like, well, that's great. Now what? I feel like we throw people into the world without giving them self-advocacy tools or even just like any idea of how to do things. We definitely do a lot of that. (laughs) It's like, go be an adult. But how do I do that? Right. Go be independent. But I need help. It is. It's definitely, and it's really confusing, I think, because as autistics, we, we need to learn through example so much that when mm-hmm. we don't get those lessons, we really, it takes mm-hmm. us a long time to learn it. You know, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, I was literally writing out, like, okay, who are the most, like, when you need to make a list of emergency contacts or, like, which appointments you need to make every year, like, okay, which doctors should you be seeing every year or at All least right. once a year? Like, if you have no idea what you're doing, because I'm one of those people, I hate making appointments. It's just not fun for whatever the reason, but here are people you should be seeing. Like, you should probably see, like, a regular family doctor. If you have a uterus, you should probably see an OBGYN. Like, certain things like that, like, you should probably do this if you can. I would need someone to kind of spell that out for me, because otherwise I'd be like, I don't know. I'm not sick. Right. Like, I feel like that's kind of the autistic, like, very logical way of looking at it, but there are things that you need to do to take care of yourself, and it's not spelled out. Like, you get told, go to the doctor if you're sick, but also, like, you get your health insurance and like you you have visits covered for this and this and blah 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 blah. and you're like well that sounds like gibberish right and then you have your dentist saying you should come in every six months but do you really have to go every six months or are they just trying to sell me on getting more stuff done like it just seems like so much to think about i'm like let me spell this out of what you should probably it's a lot of stuff to think about and it's stuff that i also want to do the thinking so other people don't have to do it or that it's just spelled out very explicitly because i feel like it needs to be not because we're perpetual children as some people tend to think we are it's just because i think it would make life easier to actually know this stuff because everybody is really bad at telling us these things and we're expected to just figure out like oh of course you see your physician every year i do Mm -hmm. like when people say things like that like i don't know that's kind of just stuff that i think about with writing about independence like Maybe I should put my bills on auto pay or set a reminder of when my credit card payments are due or things like that. Like, not just like go pay bills. Gee, right. that's real helpful. Paying bills is really helpful, guys. I feel like that's the problem with adulthood and especially preparing autistic people is we just tell them like you will do these things, but how do I do those things? How do I balance them? My executive functioning is a mess. Right. We do. We need very explicit instructions, and we don't get them regularly about things that you need to do in adulthood um, at all. And how do we also make those things more accessible and less terrible? Right. I don't know. Some of it's just terrible. 
and it does it again because you want it to be easy but terrible or faster but terrible. Exactly. Or you're just going to acknowledge, you know, this, this specific adult thing is really terrible, but we can yeah. make it less less painful. Exactly. Hmm. At least I will know what to say if I have to talk to somebody on the phone. That's kind of the, because I know a lot of people hate talking on the phone. I'm not one of those people. I hate calling people and asking for things. Mm. Like, if, I, if you told me to call my friends, I'd be more than happy to do it. You asked me to call, like, a, like a customer service agent or any of that stuff, I'm like, let me rehearse this in my head 50 times first, and then I will do it. <laughs> and then I will want to, and then I'll be like, okay, I'm tired. That was fun. Not really. <laughs> Although sometimes customer service agents especially are the ones that I kind of look forward to out of that whole mess of talking to people on the phone that are strangers. Because if I really have to, I could start bringing out the fact like I sound like a litigator. I sound like I went to law school. I have those skills. I can right. make my case that I am right. Well, those I kind of look forward to because sometimes I can bring out that skill set. And it's right. a weird flex. Weird flex, but okay. Now, Do you have any more questions, Doug, or are we ready for our our autistics thing? Yeah, I think, you know, at the end of each episode, Haley, we do something called Inside the Autistic Studio to get to know each guest a little bit better. Um, so okay. things things we may not otherwise learn about you. So um, This is exciting. The first question is, what are your pronouns? She, her. And what is your preferred STEM? So I am someone who likes to use their hands a lot. I twirl my hair a lot. I love to fidget with like hair clips and different like hair ties because they're just always around me. I have long hair. It always gets in my face. And if it's not in my face, the hair tie is probably going in between my fingers a lot. Mm. And what is your favorite curse word? <laughs> <laughs> they're all four letters. That's okay. <laughs> I'm trying to behave. Oh, okay. Okay. Just everyone that has four letters is yours. <laughs> uh, who do you love and what are you doing about it? Who do I love and what am I doing about it? I love my family. I live with them so they get to enjoy my love in person now every single day. Um, I, I also am trying to be better about loving myself because we all struggle with that to some extent and to actually believe in ourselves and, you know. Because I think we project this image, especially those of us who do a lot of work that is public-facing, that you don't see sometimes that we have our own battles and we're still just our own people. We're still human at the end of it. So mm -hmm. sometimes, like, having to be like, hey, I am pretty cool. I know yeah. what's up. I, I can do this thing. Like, I think that loving yourself and what are you doing about it, sometimes it's an act of love. Mm -hmm. An act of love for yourself, and it's an act of resistance, especially in a world that doesn't always value autistic people and what we are being our full authentic selves is be yourself but not like that yeah screw that message nope <laughs> i am being i am being my full self whether you like it or not you may be neurotypical if you have one tab open on your browser <laughs> <laughs> that is that is very weird i, I definitely that um, is such a neurotypical thing like i Browser tabs open at any one time. Guilty. I know. I have them all open right now. <laughs> See? I feel like neurotypicals might have like none and they might just use one browser window at a time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You never know. Looking, you, know. You, you 
We should get we should get like a token neurotypical to ask these questions too. <laughs> True. <laughs> you may be autistic if you find a song that you like and you play it over and over until yeah. you get sick of it by the thousandth time, and then you'll find a new song that you do the same thing with over and over, and then you'll go back to the old song and play it another thousand times. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> What what's something you want to learn to do or be better at? I would like to be a better singer. I would like to be able to absolutely slay at karaoke, but I'm afraid it might not happen. I'm not a good karaoke singer, but I would like to be. I think that would be a great life skill to have. And would the and what would would your go to? What song would you go to? Would it be a Taylor Swift song or something else? Um, my go to karaoke song is always "Firework" by Katy Perry. <laughs> What autistic social media accounts should people be paying attention to? I feel like there's a lot of really great ones, but I also am trying to diversify who I learn from. I feel like I really always recommend the AWN network. I love Marina Gay. Go is her handle on Twitter. I, I love learning from people who have different life experiences than I do. So I love getting to learn from non-binary folks, queer folks, people of color, and of course other autistic and disabled people who share these multiply marginalized identities on top of disabilities. So then I feel like it's important as a community, and especially because we see this a lot in disabilities, it's a very overwhelmingly white-dominated space, and it shouldn't be, that it seems that most people fit this very specific mold, and I feel like it's really important to learn from people who historically don't get the mic, and that should be getting the mic more often, so... I've been making a much more concerted effort as well to listen more to autistic people of color, autistic queer people, and like in autistic non-binary folks as well. Because I feel like there's in people, of course, that are autistic that don't live in the U.S., U.K., or Australia who might have a completely or Canada that might have a completely different experience whatsoever because of how their cultures and countries may treat autism and neurodiversity. So. I like to kind of throw that out there as a new blanket statement is follow people who have different experiences than you and know kind of when to shut up and listen because you might learn something really interesting or just have a better worldview that is not just your life experiences. Mm -hmm. What's one thing in your routine you couldn't possibly live without? Um, in my routine, I feel like that would probably be the same, same foods. Mm. I like, I like eating the same things. I'm, I'm, it makes me seem kind of boring to people who don't know better, but it brings me a lot of comfort. Keep doing it then. <laughs> <laughs> and the last question, what does autistic joy mean to you? It means getting to be my full self and it's flappy, happy, and just, ugh. I just love autistic joy because it's like a full body joy. And it's something that the neurotypicals will never understand unless they felt it for themselves. Is that your brain and your body and everything about you is on the same page of just this pure, like, elatedness. I don't even know how to say it because I feel like joy doesn't even sell it the way that it should. Hmm. All right. Well, that's I just get really excited. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us so much, Haley. Appreciate having you um, and chatting about french fries and fast food <laughs> and all of other fun things that we talked about. Um, everybody, if you're looking for Haley, it's HaleyMoss.net, right? Yes. 
Okay, so if you're looking for Haley, you can find her at HaleyMoss.net. You can book with her, you can find her stuff, and you can absolutely get in touch with her that way. Um, but she's a busy lady, so, you know, <laughs> writing lots of things. So give her a chance to get back to you, would you? <laughs> and maybe we can have a full writing eventually on the definitive ranking of French fries. Oh, I think so. <laughs> I think this should be a group effort. <laughs> it should be. Absolutely. No, we can have it. We could have it independently verified by the panel of judges here who have all suddenly decided that Burger King fries are the worst. So I think we did a good job. I mean, there's there's so many things about French fries we didn't even get into. Like, oh, I know. All the condiments. We didn't even talk about condiments. Yeah, and how much I'm of the condiment you person, use. So, so I guess we got lucky there. Oh. <laughs> See? Uh, we'll be fine. It's all about the shapes, though. Thank you so much for joining us for episode seven, and we will see you guys in the new year. This is our last episode for 2020, Doug. Wow. Hard to believe already. Yep. All right. We'll see you soon. Thank you, Ellie. Thank you.